Ladies and gentlemen, it's been three years, but the Brit Pack is finally back. Simon Head and Shamatkar Sandu back behind the microphone for God knows how long. Uh, almost, well, we do know how long. Almost three years. Uh, Sandu, it has been a long time, my friend. We are much further apart than we were when, uh, when we last did this thing. But we're back behind the mics again. Yes, mate. Different countries, different cities, different jobs. Um, more experience in the business, in the sport, in the in, in the industry, um, and I just think that now was the perfect time for both of us, both I guess professionally and personally, uh, to get behind the mic, like you said, relaunch the podcast. Uh, I'm sure we can get into that uh, in a bit in terms of why now is the right time. Uh, but the main thing is, is we can now be consistent and and deliver this show. Um, like we wanted to a few years ago, but it wasn't possible uh, for for various reasons. But we can deliver this show weekly um, to to our listeners. Um, and so on this kind of second attempt um, at, at the show, I think we can uh, safely promise everyone um, that we won't be going away anytime soon this time around. No, we didn't quite make it a year first time around. Um, but circumstances largely out of our control kind of forced us to go to sort of look after other priorities but we are back um we're going to try and bring you a similar kind of thing that we brought you originally but with a few more bells and whistles on it as we get a little bit further along the line before we get started must tell you where we live we live at the britpack.substack.com that is our website go there we would love you to subscribe to the show um get yourself on on our on our list the list a uh, little reference to Chris Jericho there. Get yourself on the list and uh, be a part of everything we're doing at the Brit Pack. We'd love you to become a subscriber through that. There are the old-fashioned ways of doing it as well. We are already live on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play Music, Stitcher, and uh, a host of other podcasting platforms. But it would be great if you could get yourself on the list. It means we can talk directly to you in between shows and maybe even get you guys involved as we go along but it has been a while sandu it's been almost three years we did 47 shows uh on on our on our first run we'll call that the practice run and um now now we're back in back in the saddle again it's been a while um give us give us your potted history what's 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 been going on with you over the last over the last few years i mean you've you've moved to the other side of the planet for a start that's not that's that's quite a major thing to be doing yeah well that was always in in the in the works even i guess the on the i guess when we were on the the brit pack prelims uh the first round of of shows i think i was dropping a few nuggets here and there that uh the plan to move to canada to to move to toronto is always the the, the goal for me um and so late 2018 um that finally happened um, I'm now a permanent resident of Canada, uh, living here in Toronto, Ontario. Um, that was always the goal. My wife's from here. Um, we, we, you know, she spent 10 wonderful years with me in, in the UK, but the goal was always to, to move to Canada. And so, yeah, I've been living here for 18 months, um, got through a few winters, uh, which takes a little getting used to, not going to lie. Um, but I tell you what, I don't miss staying up until 5, 6 o'clock in the morning watching a ufc card uh the, the time zone the east coast time zone uh is fantastic in terms of fight cards kind of ending around you know midnight one-ish at, at the latest that's great i know all of the <laughs> the listeners in the uk 
and perhaps Ireland are not going to sympathise with me on that whatsoever. Um, not me. <laughs> I'm sure your heart doesn't bleed for me there. Um, but yeah, it's been great. And to be honest with you, um, I'm just kind of really settled in now. Uh, I think the first year, if anyone's kind of anyone listening has done like a major move, um, even if it's from up and down a country, or definitely in, in terms of moving to a different country, getting used to a whole host of different bits and pieces, the the admin side of things, you know, banks and healthcare system, and you know, just uh, how you get about. Um, took a solid year to get used to it, but I'm I'm you know nicely settled in now. Um, so so personally, that's where I'm you know I'm at right now. Professionally. Went through a whole host of changes. Um, I think the last time we'd done the show, I was working uh, a full-time job still uh, and contributing part-time to, to MMA Junkie. And then things really kind of kicked off for me uh, in, I'd say, twenty early 2018. Um, I joined ESPN um, and it was great to actually contribute to, to, to you know, the worldwide leader. Uh, this is way before... Kind of the UFC had uh, had come yeah. on into the family, and uh, I think I was like two weeks after uh, they had just signed Ariel Helwani, and kind of they were really kind of growing uh, the the MMA squad over there. And it's kind of funny because you you, know, you work so hard to kind of get to uh, a company where you think right I've made it, and this is going to finally be my chance to to work in the business full time. But lo and behold. My move to Toronto, Canada, caused a lot of red tape um, while I was working at ESPN. Because while I was situated in London, England, I was under the ESPN UK umbrella. They have offices yeah. in the UK. They have offices in America. They don't have any offices uh, in Canada. So when it came, kind of, I guess, to the the tax year, which is April of 2019, last year, that's where. They tried real hard. I'm not going to lie. They tried super, super hard. Um, the goal was for me to kind of join the social media team over there uh, full time. Um, and I was kind of essentially asked, hey, are you interested uh, in moving to, to Bristol, Connecticut? Because if so, all this kind of red tape disappears and, and we can bring you in. Um, so I had to make a very tough decision um, to, to say no to that because the goal was always to move to Toronto, Canada. Um I don't really want to leave ever again, to be honest. I don't want to you know, move to New York or Vegas or LA or any part of America just for you know, potential professional um, opportunities. And that's my kind of, I guess, you know, bed to lay in. You know what I mean? That's my choice. You're that's my decision. Now. You're home, home now, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah, this is where I'm going to be spending the rest of my days. So that was a, a tough decision um, to, to decline that opportunity. But at the same time, I got another opportunity. And that was to to work for the PFL, uh, the Professional Fighters League, and be a part of that social media team. Um, so that was an interesting decision to make because then I was kind of saying goodbye to a career of journalism and then going to work for a promotion. Um, and the good thing about that situation was, hey, I could work remotely from Toronto, Canada. It's full time and it's still in the sport, in the business, in the industry that I love so much. Um, so that opportunity kind of fell into my lap at the that the perfect time I was as I was kind of transitioning out of the the ESPN situation, and so yeah, I spent basically a full year um, at the PFL. Uh, gr- had a great time, you know, working there and you know 
made some great friends, some fantastic colleagues who had a wealth of experience, uh, who, who kind of raised my game. And I felt, I felt like I brought a lot to the table there as well. And then again, out of the blue, another opportunity came about. <laughs> BT Sport um, were talking to me for a few months uh, at the start of the year. And, uh, and I guess for most fa- you know, folks listening who are just kind of the MMA hardcores, you kind of know that BT Sport has been the home of the UFC for, for many, many years now. But in addition to that, as of January 1st, 2020, it was also the home of World Wrestling Entertainment, the WWE. And so with that comes Monday Night Raw, Wednesday Night NXT, Friday Night SmackDown, and then the odd pay-per-view on Sundays. You couple those events slash shows with a UFC event on a Saturday, some boxing events, all of a sudden, they needed somebody based in North America uh, to help them um, cover all of these events and, and, and you know all these kind of verticals um, uh, and help kind of grow their accounts on the social media side. Um, and they needed someone based here just because of you know the bulk of these shows are all in this time zone. And so again, I've kind of come full circle. Uh, I'm, I'm still I still wouldn't classify myself as a a journalist. I'm definitely not that anymore, and I wouldn't even classify my, classify myself as a part of the MMA media. You know, I know what hat I wear. I work for a broadcast partner. I want and I need um, the UFC to do well and put on shows. I want and need the WWE to to put on shows and put on events. Um, and before the kind of uh, the lockdown and the shutdown, there was also talks of me perhaps shipping in to some to help with uh, some Champions League coverage and some Premier League coverage. So amazing opportunity. I couldn't say no to it. So I made the move uh, to BT Sport and the, the lads have been absolutely fantastic, super welcoming to me. It's great to work with Brits again, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> um, and it's um, it's been it's, it's been fun. It's been fun to kind of get stuck back in um and hey look i'm not complaining when it comes to top tier in professional wrestling in mixed martial arts it's the ufc and wwe and uh, to be able to kind of contribute to bt sports coverage with with those sports and those kind of partnerships um i'm a a pig in shit it's it's kind of funny really because you know the uh, bt sport i used to work at bt sport many moons ago i i was there when I was there from before their launch. I actually was there as part of their first ever digital team. There were literally five of us in a darkened cave. We called it the cave because there was no natural light going into this teeny little room that we had. And I don't think there are that many of the originals left. I think there's maybe two, maybe three of the original team left. Um, and uh, Mike Norris is like the, uh, I think he's the, like the director of digital or the creative director of digital now at, at BT Sport. Um, I worked alongside him. He was one of the originals with me when we first started. So, so it's kind of cool that you know, even though I'm not working for BT Sport anymore, I've still got a guy in the camp. Uh, you know, you're, you're you're back in there now, albeit albeit remotely. But um, it sounds like everything everything's come up come up roses for you, and I'm dead chuffed for you, mate. I mean, ultimately, that's always the goal, isn't it? It's to, it's to work full time in the business, uh, is to get that opportunity. Those opportunities are few and far between especially more so if you're a Brit and especially more so if you're not based in one of the three major hotspots, which is New York, Las Vegas or L.A. Those are just the facts. You know, I'm sure you get a lot of like, you know, journalism students that hit you up and asking for advice and bits and pieces. And, you know, one of the pieces of advice I always give is like if you are able to, there's not not to say it's going to guarantee you a gig, but if you are able to early on 
to move to one of those hotspots, it's definitely going to improve your chances. Look at our friend Oscar Willis, who works for the Mac Life. He made that decision early on to, to relocate to Las Vegas. And he's got a fantastic gig. He's in the fight capital of the world, and he's doing great for himself. Um, but um, but yeah, so far so good. Obviously, we're living in a world now where there aren't you know any sports basically apart from the WWE that's continuing to put on shows. Um, so although the first few months of working for BT Sport have been fantastic, um, uh, this COVID nineteen situation has definitely put a span in the works, as it has done for a lot of people. However, that being said, that's my update, Simon. Uh, you've obviously had a lot of things, both personally and professionally, uh, improved and changed for you since we last on the show. So, um, so what's been going on with you, mate? I've had all sorts. I've had all sorts going on. Um, I've had throat surgery. I went in. I have major throat surgery. Um, I lost about a year and a half ago. Must have been. I lost my voice for about six months, which was obviously a joy for my wife. Um, <laughs> I, I, I started out. <laughs> Sounded slightly like Ray, Ray Winston on those Bet365 adverts for a bit. Sort of slight, slightly gruff and husky. And then after that, it just went and it got worse and worse. And I'm like, this is this is getting a bit of a worry. So when I got checked out for that, saw I had a thing called a polyp, which doesn't sound too much. It, and it didn't look too much until they shoved the camera up my nose and down my throat, which is one of the most unpleasant things I've ever had, ever had done to me, to be honest. Um, and they took a picture of my throat and they showed me basically my vocal cord had this great big lump on it um, and it just affected all of my speech completely shut me down from us I felt completely fine by the way it was, I didn't feel ill and literally just I just had no voice um, and uh, obviously I was a little worried when I saw it I was like okay this is because I obviously looked up my symptoms first which is the worst thing you can do if you're ill, don't look up your symptoms. Don't go to Dr. Google because Dr. Google tells you you're going to die, right? I've learned this. I've learned, my, I've learned from my mistakes. I thought I had throat cancer and I was, a, I was on, 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 the way to the, uh, on the way to the dark place. But no, it all was well. This, this thing, they basically went in. It was a, a two-hour, three-hour operation. They whipped it out, took it off for a biopsy, literally just for process reasons as much as anything. They told me from looking at it, you're absolutely fine. This is going to be good. The hardest thing about it was I had to be quiet for like five solid days, like no speech whatsoever. And I was getting told off by the nurse when I woke up because I was whispering to people like, you need to shut up now, Simon, which is, you know, people who know me do this anyway. But, you know, it's uh, it, it, it was it was kind of tricky staying quiet for five days. But health wise, that was it. Work wise, it was a bit turbulent as well. Just as we were finishing off, it was one of the reasons why we kind of had to stop the Brit pack in the first place was um, I lost my gig with the, uh, with, with the sun newspaper I was working for, you know, it's no secret. I've worked for, I've worked for both of the notorious UK tabloid newspapers over, over my time. And uh, I had a, I had a superb job with them and it was, I was basically one man band traveling the world covering UFC. It was awesome, right? No complaints. Then all of a sudden they started, running loads of conor mcgregor iphone case stories and conor mcgregor's car and conor mcgregor this conor mcgregor nothing about conor mcgregor the fighter or conor mcgregor the guy just all bs clicky clicky stuff that had little or no relation to the sport whatsoever and they came to the opinion possibly well the fact as well that what they you know the traffic they could get from running that sort of stuff was comparable to the traffic that i could get by writing legitimate sports coverage and in the end, they cooked up some story about, well, we can't sell advertising against this. I'm like, well, that sounds that sounds, like, sounds slightly sus to me. 
I went in and sat down with the managing editor, the sports editor, who was not happy that I ended up being let go, um, and a couple of other guys. And I gave them like an eight-page document saying, this is everything your sales team needs to know. And the back two pages are just literally like no line spacing, all the way down, two full sides of A4. These are all the all of the advertising leads you could possibly need. If your sales team cannot get at least one of those, then you need to be laying off someone from the sales team, not not the guy who's producing the content. And then two weeks, like two weeks later, I got the phone call. Oh no, we couldn't do anything. I'm, I'm like, okay, I, I don't believe a word you're telling me, but that's kind of how it worked. They made me redundant. Um, so I wasn't fired. I was made redundant. So, um, and uh, they haven't got, you know, they haven't had a, a dedicated reporter on on the sport since. But so that left me slightly in a bit of a spot um, from being full-time covering one sport. I'd put all my eggs in one basket. I'd left BT sport where I was doing very well at BT sport to take this job. It was a bit of a, a bit of a gamble, but it was worthwhile um, in my opinion to go and do it. Had the best two years of my career traveling the world, covering the sport. Um, But then it ended literally like that. So I had a chat with a sports editor and he said to me, Si, you could go freelance. You could do that. No problem at all. I'm like, yeah, I don't think I can because all of none of the work is in the UK. None of the work is really in the country where I live. So it's going to be tricky. But as things turned out, over a little bit of time, I ended up going freelance and, you know, fingers crossed and all the rest of it, things have worked out pretty well. Over that time, I've actually, I've worked on both sides of the fence. So, you know, you said you work for the PFL. I actually work for Cage Warriors for a bit. Um, I built the website that they currently have. Um, if you scroll to the bottom of the Cage Warriors website, you'll see, you'll see my little name somewhere, unless it's been completely hidden away now. But yeah, I built their website for them. I completely rebuilt their website, uh, helped them with a lot of their media stuff. Um, and uh, I've got a lot of respect for those guys. I now know how they operate. Uh, I've seen how the team operates. It's a very small, very dedicated team working out of a, an office in North London. You would not believe the amount of work those guys put in. So anybody who wonders how how all that sort of stuff happens it is a very small very dedicated group of people who and all the stuff that they went through with the recent cage warriors event where they took it up to manchester and did it behind closed doors on ufc fight pass how they did that i will never know um and uh, it's it's a great sort of tribute to them that they were even able to pull it off so i had a chance to work for them for a little bit um on a consultancy basis then I managed to get a job with another promoter, one championship over in Asia. I was doing a lot of stuff for them, a lot of writing. I was writing all their, all their uh, fight reports for them, all the main events uh, that they did for the best part of a year and a half, almost two years, I reckon, um, doing some of that stuff and uh, while doing a few other bits and pieces as well. But then um, I stopped working for them because I've got, I've got a part-time role with, uh, with, with MMA Junkie. So I'm with them part-time. I'm doing like five, five, six-hour shifts a week, I think I'm doing. Um, but I'm also working for RT Sport in Russia, um, where I'm a sports editor for them. I work four, ten-hour shifts a week for them. So there's a lot of overlapping goes on. So quite often when I'm working, I'm working a ten-hour RT Sport shift at the same time that I'm working a six-hour MMA junkie shift. Um and as well as that, I also write for the BBC. I do UFC coverage for the BBC, do most of their main, uh, uh, most of their pay-per-view event reports, 
Um, I also write for the the national newspaper in Abu Dhabi. Um, and uh, I do a little bit of stuff for Paddy Power on the side. That's kind of that's kind of slowed down a little bit, um, especially now where there's no sport going on. But um, that's basically what I'm doing. I've I've got I'm spinning many plates, Sandu is. But I'm a pro- professional plate spinner these days. Um, but with the lockdown, it's it's getting even trickier because there's less and less sport to uh, to actually write about these days. And of course, you always worry about what's going to happen next and you know people are getting furloughed here and there and everywhere and you know I'm, I'm, I'm a freelancer so you know that could just end up in me being being cut away as easily disposable easy, an easily disposable member of the team so and, and and that that goes for all the jobs that I do because I'm, I'm a freelancer for everybody so so it's a bit tenuous it's a bit precarious but you know we can't worry too much otherwise we won't sleep at night so we crack on we do our best and uh I love what I do, and uh, it's bloody hard work keeping everybody, everybody on the level and doing everything I need to do. But hey, I wouldn't, I wouldn't swap it for the world, you know. I'd, well, tell a lie, I'd swap it for a full-time, full-time singular job in MMA that paid everything. That that I would swap it for. But other than that, I, I've got no complaints. I'm a happy man. At the end of the day, I think we're both in a situation where we see the kind of glass half full rather than half empty. You know, we're very privileged and lucky to even be in the situation that we're currently both in. Um, But hopefully, um, kind of our career trajectories, our experiences and our stories can help some some younger folk who want to get into the business, want to get uh, into covering MMA, whether it's a member of the media, whether it's to work for a promotion, whatever whatever you want to kind of want to want to do. Um, you know, I think one thing that's been great about this show in the past, we've been very open about our status and our current situation. Um, we don't try and kind of uh, blag it, so to speak. Um, but you know, we we have talked about the current situation with with, with COVID nineteen and coronavirus, and, and hopefully this show weekly can be a, an hourly escape um, for everyone listening um, to get away from the news, which can be quite. Uh, you know, depressing because that's all anyone's kind of paying attention to at the moment is is getting daily updates in terms of how this virus is affecting you, whether it's from a health perspective or economically. And so, you know, our promise to you is, hey, look, we're not going to mention the coronavirus or COVID-19 um, every single week, every single show. Um, but we'd be remiss if we didn't mention it as it relates to the sport and as it relates uh, specifically to uh, the UFC um who up until perhaps a couple of weeks ago there was still um a little bit of a chance a little bit of a hope um that their in a pay-per-view event ufc 249 um on april 18th which would have been uh, this saturday was going to go ahead uh with khabib versus tony and then tony versus justin gaethje um and then essentially what happened was the the very top dog the top boss um at disney you know put a call in um, to Dana White and uh, and essentially asked him to stand down. Um, so as things currently stand, there are no UFC events to look forward to. Um, Dana White's talk, talking about securing a, a fight island uh, to perhaps potentially host events down the road. Um, and, and we'll see what happens there. But I guess to kind of just to kind of open off this portion of the show, Simon, and, and to kind of have a bit of a conversation and discussion about it, it's not an ideal situation for anyone involved, is it really? I mean, if you think about it, it's like, look, fighters aren't really getting paid because they don't get to fight. 
there's a knock-on effect um, for people that work in the in the media. You know, a lot of people I know are getting furloughed or laid off. Um, no events means no no coverage, no live on-site coverage, which basically trickles down to, hey, we can interview all the fighters we want to, but if there isn't a fight to look forward to, if there's not enough an event to to promote and you know get excited about, it's kind of all for nothing. You know, it it doesn't you know gonna get your juices flowing so it's it's very tricky to navigate those waters um and i feel for everyone in the media who are literally going into the box of gimmicks <laughs> and trying to to do what they can you know um to keep churning out that content to keep their bosses happy and and hopefully they can continue to to survive uh, during the kind of down downturn down period that's just the that's just the media obviously the fans aren't happy you know fans want some bit of a bit of escape they want some entertainment uh, and, and looking forward to fights definitely give them that without that you know there's not much to look forward to on that front either so ultimately all those things you know while unfortunate doesn't take away from the fact that ultimately this is the right thing in my personal opinion um, I didn't go crazy on social media every single day by kind of bashing anyone's decision, whether it was a UFC or Cage Warriors or Bellator or whoever the case may be, to continue holding events. Very, very early on in the kind of process of news leaking out about how the coronavirus could affect the world, from the reading that I had done, I just came to the conclusion and the opinion that all events, all sporting events should be shut down um, for the health and well-being of everyone um let alone uh, the knock-on effect it could have on hospitals and you know professional healthcare uh, people um and just the overall healthcare system in general um and it all kind of kicked off with the nba and then you know one by one every single you know sporting league um, around the world kind of shut down shut shut their doors um so ultimately it's the right it's the right move it's the right decision i think not to hold events uh, until it's safe to do so but again, that doesn't take away from the fact that I'm personally affected, Simon. I'm sure you're personally affected. Everyone's being affected uh, in terms of uh, income and, and employment and uh, things of that nature. Um, but that's the status. That is the latest on the UFC. Um, how have you, I guess, digested um, what's happened over the last four or six weeks? And I guess, what's your take on everything, Sai? Yeah, it's... it's it's really hard i mean you know the number one most important thing is people's health and the reason why everything's being shut down is to try and stem the spread of this virus right so people saying that everything should be shut down that is that is a very catch-all straightforward approach to make and it is if if it's adhered to it's going to be relatively effective now it is impossible for everything to continue on you know the world cannot carry on if everybody stops certain things need to carry on you know you hear this term banded around in the media essential the word essential is being used people are allowed to travel for essential purposes and all the rest of it and even it's almost laughable really um but the wwe in florida has now been declared an essential business now i don't know what kind of argument you can make for that if you're a wrestling fan happy days right you're gonna get you're gonna get some wrestling content and uh provided that it's all done safely then that's great um and it's could it might also be a little chink in uh, you know a, a, a chink of light a little crack cracked open door for someone like the ufc 
they can see what the WWE are doing in Florida. Maybe that can be extended out to the UFC. Who knows? That's certainly going to be one to watch in the days and weeks to come. But I think overall, the you know the number one most important thing is keeping people safe. Um, and uh, like for example, when when Cage Warriors uh, moved their show from London to Manchester, um, they did everything they could a to keep the show on, and b to keep everybody safe and that balance is really hard to strike because that's that's you know you're controlling the controllables to a point but what happens if someone gets badly hurt in a fight and has to go to the hospital now that person might not be um uh, a carrier they might also not contract it while they're at the hospital but there are knock-on effects there are things like putting extra strain on the health service that's already at a strain i mean they weren't at that sort of strain at the time but they most certainly are now um so there's loads of issues like that but i mean what i would say it's, it's been interesting to see how everybody deals with it i know that people want to carry on um i know that people would love to be able to carry on i know fighters would love to fight um a lot of ufc fighters have come out and have been very critical uh following the cancellation or postponement i suppose we should call it of ufc 249 but there have also been other fighters um Randy Costa, I think, is one of them, has been quite notable in saying, I'm not going to fight during this. This That's irresponsible of me. You know, what I do is what I do, but I'm not going to run the risk of putting someone else's life at risk. I can look after my risk, but I don't want to put undue risk on anybody else by, by doing it. So it's interesting. People have their different views, and, you know, that's all well and good. I think ultimately what you say is is, is probably right that, if we all just take a step back, I think that is the most prudent move. Um, one championship will be the promotion to keep the closest eye on, I think, right now, because they're obviously over there in Asia. That's where everything kind of kicked off. And in theory, if there's a life cycle to this thing, it should start to sort of ebb away first in that part of the world. So I know they're looking at hosting behind closed door shows in Singapore. They were then cancelled. But I now think that they're looking to, to gradually work their way back towards hosting them again. So keep an eye out for one championship over the next few weeks. They might have some announcements coming soon. But it's all tied in. I mean, this is a day-to-day -day process, right? We just don't know. Bellator, um, I think, were, were fully intending on running Bellator 241. They put it behind closed doors during fight week. And then the day of the fight, almost the afternoon of the fight, they pulled it. Um, because just the sheer escalation of what had happened, literally over the course of 24 hours, had led them to think, okay, this is this is definitely not in our best interest to do this. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna take the hit. We're gonna we're gonna basically cut and run. And I think that was the sensible thing to do. Be interesting to see what the UFC do next. Um, but I think because obviously ESPN and that have, have said we don't want to run this. You know, we don't want you to do this. But then Dana's saying Fight Island is real, Fight Island is happening, blah, blah, blah. Is this just all going to end up on Fight Pass? Are they now going to be hosting events on Fight Pass and not doing anything with ESPN? That could put a strain on the ESPN-UFC relationship as well. So there's a lot of delicate things that need to be, to be dealt with. I think the best thing would probably be for just everybody to sit back, take a deep breath, and just sit tight. Let's get through this as best we can. And then come back all guns blazing because you can bet as and when this is all over, they're going to have a roster full of fighters basically queuing up outside 
the UFC HQ demanding to be put on a fight card instantly. Every, the whole roster is going to want to fight. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how all of that, how all of that pans out. But I mean, how do you see it, Sandy? I mean, I, I think it's just a case of riding it out now. Um, but we have no timeline for this. So what's the next move? What do you think? Yeah, I mean that that's the question. I think everyone's trying to, you know, ask and find answers for, and it's tough because things are changing every single day. Um, you know, I think politicians are, you know, like Trump was thinking, oh, the the NFL will be back for a kickoff in September, and um, even just more close to home here, um, the the Ontario Premier Doug Ford initially said, oh, you know, school will be back by the fourth of May, and this, just this morning he said actually that's all kind of TBA uh, and to be determined um, at this moment um, the question and sorry the, the answer is, is tough I don't know what the answer to that question is because things change all the time I mean I'm reading things and I don't want to you know <laughs> put, you know cause fear or, or you know into anyone but like I'm think I'm hearing a year to 18 months before there's potentially a vaccine um available and i mean available mass produced shipped transported distributed and then ultimately in in your shoulder and my shoulder simon um and for something like that to to take place it could be a year to 18 months um now that's for everyday life that's for you and me to be or everyday nine and nine to five ham and egg to go back to the office but it'll be interesting to see what happens with the wwe and then what happens with one championship like you mentioned and ultimately what the ufc does because if you have a state like florida that's deeming professional wrestling an essential business maybe that like you said opens the door for a ufc um but then what kind of pr knock-on effect would that have on its relationship with espn who has already kind of said hey hold on an events for, for the time being and you know if they go ahead with a fight island what does that look like you know logistically and and, and all the rest of it so look i think na- naturally i'm an optimist at heart so it would be great if hey look in in a matter of months we could be talking about a, another ufc event again uh, and to gear up for some fights and talking about the main event and other storylines up and down the card but the realist in me I, I think we should be all preparing for the long haul on this one. Um, I really do. Um, again, best case scenario, that's not the case. But from what I'm reading and, and the kind of information and news that I'm digesting on this on a daily basis, it gets bleaker and bleaker in terms of a potential return, not just for the UFC, but any sports. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember I was talking to my wife. We We went into sort of self-isolation as a family a little early. Um, my youngest daughter developed a, a dry cough out of nowhere and that was one of the red flag symptoms to look out for at the time and um, we we thought okay we need to we need to we need to be super responsible about this we took our eight-year-old out of school um, and at the time the advice was to self-isolate for seven days so that's what we were going to do we got to about day five day six and then that advice changed to 14 days we were already halfway in virtually, so we were sort of well on our way. Um, and then obviously it's just escalated since then. And and uh, on like the second or third week, I remember talking to my wife about it and saying, 
so, you know, sort of trying to work out how long we thought this thing might go on for. And I said then that mentally I had already conditioned myself to thinking that if we get to September and things are back to normal, then we'll, I, th- I think we'd call that a win, to be honest. I think I'm preparing for that long. And I've now revised that <laughs> even later. I think if we get to the turn of the year, I, and and uh, you know things things are back up and running like normal everyday life is back up and running by the end of 2020, then I'm calling that a win. Now maybe that's me being slightly slightly pessimistic, but then it means that if it happens before then, then it feels it feels better, and it also means that you're not constantly sort of you know almost getting desperate at the fact that oh it's not happened yet it's not happened yet. So I find that that helps me uh, just from a day to day standpoint. I'm not itching to get out because I'm thinking, oh, it's going to happen soon. It's going to happen soon. It's not going to happen soon. It's not going to happen for ages. Um, so I think getting used to that feeling is 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 helpful for getting through this and and not trying to push things and not trying to rush things. And I think sport is exactly the same. I know sport have like broadcast rights and things like that that they have to they have to try and deal with. And the rights holders have have a responsibility there as well. They can't hold the the sports feet to the fire because they're not putting putting events on. They're not able to, and they're certainly not able to safely. So, I think the whole world needs to to employ a little bit of common sense, and hopefully, we're getting to the point where that's beginning to happen, and we'll see what happens. I mean, yeah, I think looking forward to to the fights coming back. I can't wait to see some live fights again. Um, you know, I'm enjoying watching UFC Fight Pass and all the free fights that the promoters are all putting out on on YouTube. But nothing beats watching stuff live. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. But what I did want to ask you, um, obviously, you know, predominantly we talk, we're going to talk MMA on this podcast. But, we, you know, we have to talk WWE as well. Um, yes. And actually, on a side note, I have got to start watching this again. Um, <laughs> through, through, my, through, through my job at RT, we've sort of taken a look at the whole sporting landscape and we've taken the view that we've, we've written a few things on WWE in the past. But and it's it's tended to do quite well, but we've never really gone in on it. Well, they're the only sporting quotes organization that are actually putting out anything resembling live event coverage right now. So, or live events. So, we're going to have to start watching this stuff. So, within a few weeks, hopefully, I might need to I might need to pick your brains for a little bit of a a, a bit of refresher material to get back on uh, up to speed with this stuff. But the whole Florida thing. What's your take on this? Because there are certain sports that I think it can work for, and I think wrestling might be one of them. Like, you can incubate people within a certain within a certain space. Like, I know, like they've got their their training center down there in Florida, um, and if people are able to stay there, I don't know how big it is. I don't know what kind of facilities they have. If they've got almost uh, almost like some sort of like halls of residence and stuff down there. Where the people, where where the fighters can actually live, train, and almost be incubated themselves, then that becomes viable. Like Major League Baseball, were talking about kicking around an idea about basically block booking out a load of hotels in Arizona, and shipping over all of the major franchises, um, and having them all basically living in these hotels for an extended period of time, and hosting events at one, at one. Uh, one stadium in Arizona and literally just ship the players in, play the game, ship them out, ship another lot of players in, play the game, ship them out. 
and they can then fulfill their fixtures and the players you just keep them holed up in a hotel you can kind of do that mma i think that's almost impossible to do because of the you know the nature of preparation involved and the fact that the sheer amount of medical attention that these guys need afterwards wwe where the environment is a little more controlled yeah injuries happen but it's a little more controlled do you think that's feasible for them to you know Forget the whole essential business thing because that's clearly bollocks, right? But I mean, other than the, the, the actual idea of incubating them and just being able to run the business, run NXT, Raw, SmackDown, or whatever it is they're shooting, you know, the the sort of episodic week to week content, and and keeping everybody relatively safe, is that feasible? Well, it's interesting because up until last night, everything that they put on, including WrestleMania, was all pre-produced and and kind of um shot and taped like weeks and weeks ago so that was already in the bank right i was on shift last night for for monday night raw actually and that was the first live and legitimately live monday night raw uh in quite some time and and to your point like the danger with perhaps mma fights is someone could get cut could have a broken bone a number of different lacerations and injuries that would warrant them to to perhaps go to a local medical facility, and that's where you're kind of having a moral and ethical debate. Where uh, you know, in terms of you know, are they putting a strain um, on a facility that perhaps that bed could serve a COVID nineteen patient, for example? With professional wrestling and WWE, very very rarely is something going to happen, um, and they could even take extra precautions in terms of. Um, their performances where they can protect each other even more so in terms of specific spots yeah. but for the for the most part they they're doing something where they're protecting each other so you're not going to get any severe injuries that's going to warrant an immediate rush to the hospital but the whole essential business stuff yeah that's all bs in my opinion um i i feel like in florida especially where they've got a bulk of their athletes and superstars they're the kind of performers are all with them right um in-house and the fact that the governor's kind of given them the the thumbs up to kind of continue for the time being again it, it, it all comes down to a, a moral and ethics question doesn't it Sai, for the for, for the most part and um and the thing is i feel like we still do, it's all about the what ifs it's all about the what ifs could they incubate everyone probably should they though that's the question. It's not, it's, not, it's not about what can they do, what could they do. It's what should they do. And I think that's the kind of debate um, everyone, you know, from fans to media to people uh, are discussing. Look, I'm not going to lie. I'm not complaining that there's WWE shows. It means I've got my gig and I've got shifts and I've, yeah. and I've got work, um, which means I get paid. And again, it's again. But would I be, um, you know, frustrated or angry if the WWE shut down tomorrow? No, because ultimately I think for, for humanity's sake, it's the right thing to do, right? Um, but it, it's, it's again, it's so tricky and it's so it's so hard to kind of have these conversations and, and kind of uh, talk about, you know, um, what, what the right thing to do is when you don't have all of the information about what, what can be possible. Yeah, it's tricky. And one thing I did want to mention, and it's been like social media, Twitter in particular, has been a pretty poisonous place over the last... Probably the last week or so since 249 got got um, got shut down. Um, 
the media's taken a bit of a kick in. Uh, we've yeah. had we've had uh, we've had managers come in at the media. Obviously, you know, we've had uh, obviously Dana has, has, has had some pointed comments about certain elements of the media. Um, one thing I just wanted to put on 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 the record on here is. I think while there are some people out there who who you may think are out there to try and point score, um, and in some cases I wouldn't necessarily disagree with that. I think there might be one or two who are, but most most media who actually cover the sport week to week, when I say cover the sport, I mean cover the sport, the actual nuts and bolts, results, fighters, events, week to week. There, I think if you did a straw poll of most of the media, most of them, I think, would probably agree that the the sensible thing would be for things to shut down for a while. Now, what would also be fair is that those exact same people are would would also freely admit that they are by by saying that saying so in the full knowledge that it may have a direct and negative impact on their own jobs, livelihoods, and careers. And that hasn't been said enough, right? It's very easy to turn around and slam the media for, oh, how dare you criticize Dana White for this, or how dare you criticize this or that, or whatever. As if we're in some bulletproof ivory tower where the money is flowing in and, you know, our, our, our media paymasters are going to just keep throwing dollar bills at us, even though we have nothing to write about. <laughs> that's not that's not the real world the real world is people are being furloughed people are being given pay cuts people are being laid off and those that are still in their jobs are doing it under incredible amounts of pressure because they're having to find content in a in a, in a landscape where there isn't a hell of a lot there, there isn't a hell of a lot of it out there that you know people are having to get creative do things differently um, I think what you know by the time we get through this, Sandu, the media will be a lot more efficient and a lot more savvy when it comes to content creation and how they use an interview, because we're having to do that now. Whereas before, we might have done an interview and just turned it into one piece. It's like it's like when you buy a joint of meat or you buy a, a you know you buy a chicken, right? You, there's different ways of using it, right? You can just slap it in the oven and make a roast dinner with it. Or you can portion it up. You can take bits off and say, right, we're going to use that for this and this for that. And make it go, sort of make it last longer into the week. That's basically what we're doing here, right? We're, we're doing exactly the same. We're making the interviews work harder for us. We're finding different ways of doing them. Ways that are more engaging, hopefully. Uh, and we're having to be a bit more creative in the way we do the interviews as well. Because it's not just the usual... How's your training going? Talk to me about your next opponent. How did your last fight go? Blah, blah, blah. All of that stuff's out the window because none of that happens right now. But so this whole the media is the enemy narrative. I mean, we're getting dangerously close to the whole Trump fake news thing. You know, it, it's not a million miles off that. And uh, I think people need to remember that a lot of the people who are saying we think that the sport should probably take a step back for a while also are people who know that if that happens, they're going to be the ones who suffer as well. I'm really pleased that the UFC and Dana White has said that his staff are safe and that no one's getting laid off. If only we all had the same job security. That's all I'll say. Um, so when it's it's very easy to turn around and, and slam the media, you know, calling us 
all sorts of different things and sometimes it's justified right sometimes it's justified people write dumb stuff sometimes or ill-informed stuff or people make make errors in what they do everybody's human but what i would say is people are just trying to be responsible as best they can and when they're writing opinions it's an opinion um and in many ways it's like turkey's voting for christmas i know that but that's what it is you know people are being honest and it isn't an agenda to piss off the ufc or piss off dana white because at the end of the day mma without the ufc is is a a far more barren landscape than it than it than it is with it and without that everybody suffers you know a rising tide lifts all ships and all that and nobody would love things to get back to normal more than the likes of myself who have to write about the sport day to day so i just wanted to just wanted to put that one out there without going on to too much of a rant um it's very easy to knock the media and uh i think a few people have been going uh you're sort of coming at it from the wrong angle but that's 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 just a little side take well look that's twitter for you at the end of the day you know um it can be a really negative place sometimes and i think you've got to choose your battles um or pick your battles rather um and look i feel for a lot of uh, my friends and colleagues that are working in the mma media because some of them have been furloughed, some of them have been laid off. On the flip side, though, I'm proud to see some members of the media like pick up some new skills. You know, um, perhaps they weren't, um, you know, creating content they they are now a month ago. You know, so it's kind of pushing everyone to be a, a little bit more creative, like you said, uh, but also to level up all their skills so that when, you know, and I have absolutely no doubt about this. When things get back to normal everyone's going to be better. Yep. Everyone's going to be so much better um, at their job. They're going to have a lot more value to, to add to the organizations and the outlets they currently work for. Um, so, um, you know, every cloud at the end of the day has a silver lining, Si. Fingers crossed, mate. Fingers crossed. But, you know, as things are right now, we are in lockdown, Mr. Sandu. And, yes. uh, you know, this is, this, is just, this is just the world we live in. Everybody has to... Has to deal with it. I mean, uh, we tr- we're trying to homeschool. We're trying to referee between two crazy kids. <laughs> We've got a two-year-old who is absolutely nuts and charging around like a little drunk person whenever she has sugar. We've got an eight-year-old who is autistic, um, who poses her own challenges. Um, and uh, we're also having to homeschool her as well. The stuff that the school have given us is, without too fine a point on it, terrible. So my wife, who is an absolute legend, um, is a former teacher. Um, she's basically leveling everything up and uh, is, is teaching like levels above what, what, what they're giving us to teach. So she's doing a grand job of that. But as well as doing, doing the, the actual job stuff, which we still have to do, we've also got to prevent ourselves from going absolutely stir-crazy cabin fever because we can't go anywhere. We can walk around the block for a bit of exercise maybe, but that's about it. So, I mean, what what are you doing to pass the time? You know, it's it's a tricky one. I mean, I'm not talking necessarily MMA or you know, if if there's MMA stuff in there, chuck it in. But I mean, what are you doing? What 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 can you recommend that that maybe I'm not doing? And I'll, I'll throw a few your way as well. Or well, also look, for those those <laughs> who are listening back out there, I'm lucky in the fact that I've been working from home now for over three years. Uh, that being said, though. It's one thing to choose to stay at home. It's another thing to be forced to stay at home. Tell me about it. Um, so 
so far, I've been lucky um, in terms of having work, um, especially with all of these WWE shows. Um, so we'll see how long that kind of lasts in any case. But hey, look, I can't go to my local gym. I don't have any you know, weights or any machinery at home and I wasn't really interested in making that kind of investment um, anyway, nor do I even have the space to build a home gym. Um, so I have been kind of going for, for a daily walk or I, I won't say daily, maybe four or five times a week. I'm doing about 10K. And it's interesting because I, I noticed something that John Kavanagh said on Twitter, which I actually wasn't even aware of. I think everyone's running. Everyone's trying to get a daily run in, like four, five, six k, which is absolutely fine. Hey, look, if that's you know what you enjoy to do, um, and that's keeping you healthy, that's great. But apparently, if you walk instead of run, it increases the chances of white blood cell um, production, which actually helps your immune system. And I thought that was an interesting bit of information from John Kavanagh, and he himself has switched it up, and instead of running, he's doing a daily five, six k walk himself. Um, so again, I don't know if that's going to help anyone, um, anyone that's like, oh, I don't want to run, but Hey, you know what, if you just walk for an hour and look, my walks last about 90 minutes, I'm listening to a podcast. Um, and so I'm trying to get that in every single day. Apart from that side, it's podcasts, it's movies, TV shows. Um, I've actually just started to play poker again. Um, something that oh, wow. perhaps a lot of people don't, don't know about me is, uh, I used to run a poker business way back in the day. Uh, and I was pretty good uh, at playing poker myself. And um, over the years, I just haven't had time to kind of play on a regular basis. So starting to play some online poker again. Um, so far, so good. Uh, doing pretty decent, not going to lie. And it's fun. It keeps the kind of the old uh, brain kind of ticking along and you know keeps training um, my, my mental ability to kind of read players and other bits and pieces and strategy and math and you know probability and all that all that kind of good stuff so that's been that's been a lot of fun um but yeah look hey look if you want a few tv show recommendations i love westworld that's that's a that's a new show it's in its third season right now i'd recommend that um and if you want a classic throwback show that's already completed in the can that you can binge watch put on the sopranos if, if fans and folks haven't seen a show like the sopranos um that's a great one. That's one of the greatest TV shows of all time. Uh, but essentially, Sai, it's it's poker. It's my daily walk. It's, uh, it's you know, so far working for BT Sport here and there. Um, doing a little bit of cooking here and there as well. And uh, yeah, and now now I've got the Brit Pack. Uh, it rolled into my weekly schedule every Tuesday. So it's, 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 it's so far so good. It's it's funny. It's funny how we like these these, these teeny little crossovers that that, that, that happen. I was part of the team that launched Labbrook's Poker years ago. Years. No way. Yeah, I joined, I, I worked at Labbrook's.com. Well, I worked at Labbrook's before Labbrook's.com existed. Um, I was part of the team that launched Labbrook's.com. Uh, I was one of two content managers for Labbrook's.com at the time. Um, and uh, as part of that, we launched Labbrook's Poker. We had the contract for Playboy at the time. <laughs> I was I, I, I went in the 2002 World Cup. We had a 2002 World Cup final party, and the Playmate of the Year, Daleen Curtis, I think her name was, uh, came and came and uh, did a special appearance. I spent about 45 minutes explaining the game of football to her, um, which obviously she was she was enthralled by that. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> but. Um, but yeah, and you know, we launched Labrick's Poker. So I used to play a bit of poker. I used to write for a gambling magazine as well, way back when. So so I don't mind a bit of poker. 
Daniel Negreanu was always my favourite poker player. Any poker Canadian. fans out there? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Daniel Kid Poker. Daniel Daniel Negreanu. He always used to always used to make me laugh. I, I like him. Um, but yes, so as I don't play any poker anymore. Maybe I should start again, but then I'll probably develop a gambling problem, and that'd be the end of me. But <laughs> but but, um, but yeah, no. Like in terms of what I do, I'm basically if I'm not working, I'm refereeing. <laughs> the kids or we're doing so i mean literally uh not not last night night before i slept in my back garden sandu i slept in my back garden it was a it was a ridiculous ridiculous night it was a howling gale my daughter uh, alicia who's a really wanted I'd, I'd set up a we've got like a three-man pop-up tent uh that we got out so the kids had so, something to play in in the garden as well as the other bits and pieces and she said, oh, Daddy, we, you know, can we have a night in the tent? And I, I stupidly didn't check the weather forecast. I was like, yeah, the weather's been great the last few days I got in there. My God. Like, outside was like bed knobs and broomsticks. Everything was flying oh, about. It was, it was, it, I mean, she thought it was the funniest thing ever. I was pooping myself. I thought, okay, this isn't fun. But I knew we couldn't go back in. Because if we went back in, it would have meant I would have had to have packed the tent away. And trying to shut those pop-up tents down... You, you need to be it's like doing a rubik's cube but like five foot long so uh yeah i didn't i wouldn't have had the patience for that at four in the morning so i didn't do that but um as well as um, trying to amuse the kids watch a bit of tv like i, I still watch nfl network religiously whenever whenever i can I'll, I'll stick nfl network on in the background we've got disney plus in the uk now we're a bit behind uh north america when it comes to getting disney plus i think it only launched about three weeks ago um but we've got that so one of the things i hadn't done was watch the marvel movies hadn't no really... way yeah and no, i went to my brother's wedding in thailand um last year and um on the flight back i saw the uh the the three sorry the four avengers movies were all on there right like the, first, the avengers assemble ultron and then infinity war and endgame right so i thought okay this is like a 15 hour flight i can probably just about get these all in so i did i watched them back to back um and absolutely loved them i'm like why have i not watched stuff before i don't go to the cinema ever um if you were listing my top 10 most recent films that i've watched at the cinema cool runnings would be on that list so. <laughs> <laughs> so so that's that's that that's how rarely i go i go to the uh, i go to the cinema so anyway so as soon as we got as soon as we got Disney Plus, I've had, I've been, I've, what I've done, I've gone online and I've rather than watching them in the order that they released, um, mm. I'm watching, I'm watching them in the, in timeline order, right? So the smart, order, smart move, right? So I think it was Captain America first, and then like Captain Marvel, I think was second, and then it goes into like Iron Man and all of that stuff. So I've been watching all the way through, and I think I've got what have I got left now? I think I've got Iron Man. Uh, sorry, I've got Ant Man and the Wasp, and then uh, the two Avengers: Endgame and uh, Infinity War, which I've already seen. So, so yeah, so I'm, I've I've got those I've got those to watch. But other than that, it's not been a hell of a lot. I've been watching some uh, on BT Sport actually. Their MotoGP team, MotoGP is one of my favourite sports outside of soccer and MMA, and the team at BT Sport are doing amazing things. Uh, right now they're doing live shows sandu with people with with their their presenters all on video conferencing 
and they're literally stitching it together as they go. So they've got a guy called Gavin Emmett, who's the presenter. He's hosting it from his attic room in Leeds. You've wow. got Valentino Rossi, the legendary multiple-time world champion in Tavulia in Italy. You've got Susie Perry, who's the the sort of the, the main presenter. She's in her back garden in France. You've got Neil Hodgson, who's world superbike champion. He's up in Burnley somewhere. And they're literally just jumping from one to the other to the other. And it, it looks seamless. And it can't be. Like, they must be holding this thing together with, like, gaffer tape and, you know, just sort of trying to hold this live broadcast together. And they're doing they're doing amazing things. Um, but it's 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 really good to watch. They're running through all, like, the best races of all time and all that stuff. So I'm lapping all that up. Because that's all you can get sport-wise now, right? It's all just archive stuff, best, greatest hits type stuff. Um, but now I'm going to have to start watching WWE now because I've got to start writing about it again. Well, then, in addition to that, there is one incredible brand new sports documentary that's actually debuting and premiering this upcoming weekend. Okay. And it's and it's the Michael Jordan Chicago Bulls 10-part docu-series called The Last Dance. And from what I gather, it's essentially all this archived footage that has never seen the light of day of the sixth and final championship year run of the Chicago Bulls stitched together with brand new interviews. You've got Michael Jordan, obviously, on there, Scottie Pippen. You've got President Obama. You've even got some uh, Kobe Bryant, um, you know, that they'd already kind of filmed before he passed away, right? Um, And that's debuting this weekend. So there's, there's two episodes dropping every week for five weeks starting this weekend. It's airing on ESPN in America and from what I understand and from what I remember it's airing on Netflix worldwide. Okay. So and if that's the case that's a big recommendation from me uh, to all of our listeners to check that out this weekend. And if if it is on Netflix and if you are able to catch it this weekend maybe we can talk about it next week cuz that's uh as a pretty iconic athlete iconic team um, and for some of us that are old enough to remember the 90s, uh, Sadly, even, if you yes. weren't, <laughs> even if you weren't the biggest basketball head or the biggest fan of the NBA, you knew all about the Chicago Bulls. Yeah. They, were, they were one of the most famous teams in any sport in any era, um, and I do love a good sports documentary, so I'm looking forward to that. In addition to that, um, one thing that's on my watch list for this week is the Maradona documentary, which I haven't had a chance to check out yet. It was released, I think, last year. Have you seen that, Sai? No, I don't think so. I don't think so. Um, I've seen various documentaries, I mean, that, that have Maradona involved in them, but I think this is like the definitive one, isn't it? I think this came out like last year. Yeah, that's right. And I, and I can't remember again where it's on. I think it's either Amazon or one of these streaming platforms. But yeah. my goal is to check it out this week as well because, um, again, iconic athlete, iconic personality outside of the sport of football um so that should be fun and apparently it's got some really great reviews as well so uh, there's another recommendation yeah i mean sports documentaries i'll I'll watch those all day every day i mean if you've got amazon prime and you you're you're of an american football persuasion and you haven't watched all their all or nothing uh series then you need to you need to get involved in those that watch them chronologically they're all great um just literally just following an nfl team through an entire season uh, and you really get to know the characters involved there. It's so nicely put together, really slick. Um, so I love those. Uh, there's a lot of classic ones as well. If you haven't watched the Ayrton Senna documentary, it's just called Senna. Watch that. It is 
one of the hardest hitting sports documentaries you'll ever see. It goes into like the sort of the uh, the details of the crash that unfortunately killed him in Imola. Um, and if you think that football players in Brazil, like your Neymar's and people like that, Ronald, uh, Ronaldo and Ronaldinho, and going back further to like Zico and Pele, those guys were all famous and are legends in Brazil. Ayrton Senna is probably one of the few guys from other sports who's sort of held up to the, almost that sort of level. Um, he's an absolute legend. And that documentary will, will put tears in your eyes. It is incredible. But there's so many. There's so many sports docs out there. All the 30 for 30s are great. Um, the two Escobars is particularly good. Um, that's that's pretty hard hitting as well. But there's so many of them out there. Um, and I'm always I'm always looking out for sort of sort of rewatching something like that whenever it comes on. BT over here, BT Sport have loads of those because they actually carry ESPN content. Uh, they've got a BT Sport ESPN channel um, in the UK. So BT Sport produce their own documentaries, sports documentaries as well. Um, but they also have the 30 for 30s. So so if, if you're in the UK and you've got BT Sport, definitely get on that and, and check that out as well. A lot of that stuff will probably be on demand as well. So find all that. But yeah, the sports documentaries are the way forward. I love all that stuff. And I'd love to get some recommendations from my listeners, actually. And and who knows, you know, you know, depending on how long this lockdown lasts for, um, you know, I you know, I think a lot of our kind of segments for the show, I'd love them to be user generated anyway. I'd love for our listeners to kind of say, "Hey, Simon and Sandu, um, I'd love to you know hear a, a segment on this or that or whatever the case may be." And we're, we're definitely going to implement uh, the Q and A uh, feature in coming weeks as well, which I know was popular before. Um, but sorry, that's basically the end of our first show back. Um, just enough time to let people know Simon Head. It's at Simon Head across all social media. It's at Sandu MMA for all of my social media platforms. So give us a follow on Twitter and Instagram and what have you if you're not already doing so. Um, and the best way to help support this show is to go to the Britpack.substack.com. Um, so you, once you subscribe, you know, you'll get our weekly newsletter, which will give you an update on when the show is live. You can interact with us, throw us some questions. Uh, there's, Substack is a great platform um, to really uh, bridge the gap between me and Simon, the show, and you, the listener. Um, so it's it's very interactive. And, and so that's the platform that we're really trying to push more than anything else. But like Simon said at the start of the show, if you just want to go straight to the audio feed on your favorite podcast listening platform, we're on Apple, we're on Google Play Music, we're on Stitcher, and we're on Spotify. Our entire archive is also there in case you want to listen to what we sounded like in 2017. I don't. Um, that being said, we did a great show um, in New York for UFC 205, which was the UFC's very first show in New York. Um, with Conor McGregor becoming the champ champ. And we were on site together, which was uh, quite a rare thing for us back then. Uh, but that's still one of the, my favourite shows we ever recorded. Um, in any case, our entire archive is all available there. If you're an Android user and you've got some third-party Android um, app to listen to your podcast like I do, I use uh, Pocket Cast, it, it, it should show up there. Um, so all you need to do is search the Brit Pack um, and it should, uh, should turn up. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, the uh, I think we did some stuff from Cage Side at a couple of shows as well. I think we did uh, we did UFC two hundred four 
in Manchester in the middle of the night, if you remember that. That was yep. a that was a mad week. I remember that. We we're in, in the UK, but we were living on uh, United States time because the event was held on US time for pay per view TV. And that was that was Michael Bisbing's um homecoming title defence against Dan Henderson. Uh, that was a big one. I remember being cage side with you for that. And I think we may have been cage side for a London show somewhere, whether it was Bella I don't know if it's Bellator, I think it was UFC. Um or it might uh, no it wasn't. It might have been Belfast. I think we may have been K-Side in Belfast. So It was Belfast. Um, so if you want any really, really loud uh, podcasts of me and Sandu shouting at each other from just like the seats next to each other, um, then then definitely check those out. But yeah, the Britpack.substack.com is the place to go. We would love it if you signed up from there. It's the best way we can talk to you. It's the best way you can talk to us. And uh, we'll start... You know, we may we may chuck a few other bits and pieces up on uh, on that website as time goes on, and, uh, and and get you involved in a few things as we go along as well. So, uh, thank you so much for joining us. It's been really good to uh, to get back behind the mic again, and uh, we promise it won't be three years before the next episode. So, uh, that's pretty much all we've got for the Brit Pack this week. Till next time, stay safe. We'll speak to you again soon.